So thank you very much for joining me on the show, man. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Thank nice. you for having me on. You're more than welcome, man. Honestly, it is my pleasure. Obviously, I was uh, chatting uh, to Andy Bartle not too long ago about yourself, and he was saying about how much of a tremendous athlete you are. Um, and I'd kind of heard about you a, a fair amount beforehand, but when a guy like Andy Bolton speaks so highly of someone like yourself, you kind of have to give them that attention. And man, I've been fascinated with your journey since. Um, incredibly strong incredibly strong some incredible feats of strength and i'm really interested to kind of get stuck into uh kind of a lot about your training uh what you've done over the past to kind of get to where you are now but what i'm really interested in is what was kind of your first ever uh kind of taste with strength sports with training with weightlifting where did it all kind of start with you okay well the first i've been training about 11 years or so so for the first half of that was kind of like bro training. So just tr training in the week, going out the weekend, trying to look good. Didn't even train legs. It was all about looking good <laughs> and trying to like the opposite sex. And I wasn't bothered about what I lifted. If I used to say, I don't care what I lift as long as I look okay. So <laughs> training got a little bit more serious. The, the more I, I got into it and I ended up changing gyms from commercial gyms and I started training at a gym called Iron Athlete Gym in Sheffield. Um, and at that point, I just started seeing my now fiance and I was settling down. I didn't really care as much about what the opposite sex <laughs> found, like if they found me attractive yeah. or not. Um, and I started training there and there was a lot of powerlifters, uh, bodybuilders, and the, the whole atmosphere in that gym was was a lot more serious trainers and they were more interested in what you were doing. I think you go into commercial gyms and nobody really speaks to each other and there's not that camaraderie. So I actually wanted to tick off the list bodybuilding uh, because I'd got really lean before and I entered a bodybuilding competition while I was at that gym um, and I, I went through the process and I absolutely hated it. <laughs> uh, Dieting's not for me. I'm not a nice person to be around. Um, <laughs> not when I'm hungry, anyway. But um, whilst I was training in the gym, there was a lot of powerlifters around me, and I was looking at the numbers that they were lifting. There was guys in there with like 240 kilo bench, and um, you know, well over 300 kilogram deadlifts, and it fascinated me. I, I looked at that and I thought. That, how is that even possible? You know, you, you go from a commercial gym where you, you bench two plates, three plates, and you think you're the king of the mountain. And then you go into somewhere like that, and it's, wow, okay. <laughs> um, so once I finished bodybuilding, that's when I started getting into strength training. I thought, I'll try it out. Um, and it turned out, you know, I was, I was okay when I first started, and I just got addicted to the, to the whole process the, the way that you could measure um, your own, um, you know, uh, performance by seeing progression, by the numbers that you're lifting, rather than trying to look in the mirror and see whether, you know, are my abs more defined? Is my triceps getting bigger? Um, and, yeah, it, just, it kind of developed from there. So uh, that was probably four years ago now, when I, four or five years ago when I first started getting into strength training. Um started picking everybody's brains there who were the, the senior members and the strong guys there researching on the internet trying to find out the fundamentals of strength training um 
and just thought, you know, I'm going to have a crack at this. And, and I, I entered my first official powerlifting competition, which is uh, four years ago next month. I think that, so it's February 2016. Um, and that was my first powerlifting comp. And I went, it's the first and only competition where I've ever got nine for nine. Um, I, I got all my squats, all my benches, yeah, all my deadlifts, and every single lift got three white lights. I think I squatted 305 kilos, bench 200, and deadlifted 340 kilos. And what and were you weighing in at that point? Sorry? What were you weighing in at at that point? I was I weighed about 107 kilos back then, so I'm not I wasn't quite as big as what I am now. Um, I, I think when I was bodybuilding, uh, my stage weight was 91 kilos. So over that period of time, I packed on a bit of size, yeah. um, but still, not not I, I wasn't as big as what I am now. So I've gone up to the one two fives now. I'm weighing about 124 kilos. But yeah, like, I, you know, I just as soon as I started training, as soon as I, you know, you hit your first PB, and the feeling you get from from achieving that, it's, it's like nothing else. And it's like a drug, man. It's like a drug that you're just constantly chasing. Like you're always wanting to hit it. You're always wanting to hit it. And even if you hit it on that day, you're like, oh man, I wish I had like 1.25 in there. Like... <laughs> yeah, never, never satisfied. <laughs> yeah, but I also think it's a good thing as well. You know, I think if you're you're a hyper competitive person. I mean, I'm sure you can't really be in a sport like you're in and not be a competitive person. It's the exact same with me. You know, I'd rather die than come second. It's it's just it's that's just part yeah. of my my blood. Do you know what I mean? I think I think um, you've kind of got to be content, but never satisfied. So you you know exactly you got to be got to be happy that things are going in the right direction. But yeah. if if you're not satisfied 100%, then you're probably going to stop. And I always want to get better. I'm always thinking you know, a year, two, three years down the line. Um, and that that's what keeps me going. I, even now, you know, I'm, I, the next competition is, I have goals in mind, but I'm more, you know, I, I think three or four years down the line to what I want to achieve because I'm still, I'm still a fair bit off from where I, I want to be eventually. But you're playing the long-term game, which is a smart thing. I think so many athletes in this day and age, uh, you know, they're, they're jumping into the scene really quickly. They're exploding. They're, they're, they're killing themselves and then they're dying off you know, before they've even had a chance to really kind of get into their prime. I think it's really, it's actually really nice to hear someone like yourself say, okay, you know, you're strong right now, but the fact that you're thinking so many seasons ahead, it just lets everyone know you've got longevity, you're listening to your body, you understand what you need to do, you're not trying to rush the process because at the end of the day, you can only get so strong so quickly and you, your body can only handle so much. And to hear someone say, you know, I'm going to give myself that time is really, really humbling because this is uh, uh, an industry, you know, where everyone wants to be pulling 400 kilos in two weeks. It's like, dude, yeah. not going to happen. That is it's kind of like um, a, a problem that's kind of almost created by social media. So, you know, as soon as you start in strength sports, so my, the first person who opened my eyes to like what I thought was unattainable strength was Delroy McQueen. So... I've been training a bit, six months a year. I can't remember how long it was until I pulled my first 300-kilogram deadlift. And, you know, I was in the gym. I was like, I'm the shit. I'm one of the strongest in the country. Because, <laughs> I don't know, I didn't know any better. I didn't know who was out there lifting, you yeah. know, what they were lifting. 
And I stumbled across Delroy McQueen, and I think, you know, he was in the same weight class as me at the time, 110s, and he was pulling 360, 370, and squatting around the same numbers. And I was like, oh. <laughs> right, okay. It just knocks you back down a peg. You're like, good. right, okay, I need to I need to go out this a different way now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you, but you see that, and a lot of people, that's what they're shooting for. That's what they're aiming for straight away. And, the, you know, instead of thinking of the... Um, the PBs in between, they're just straight shooting for like these numbers that Larry Wheels or you know Delroy McQueen or the the top guys are trying to hit, and there's there's years behind that training before you get to those numbers, uh, and you've you've got to be patient in this game because otherwise you, you know you're either going to mess yourself up or you're just going to be disappointed because it doesn't it doesn't happen like that for everybody. 100%. Now, I'm interested to kind of hear, hear your opinion. Obviously, you started off with kind of how you say like this, like bro lifting. Do you feel like there was any transfer or any transferable skills that you kind of took from that scene into your powerlifting? Or do you really feel like it was a case of that you were learning again, like you were a baby again? Or do you feel like those skills kind of did actually have some carryover? I think that it was kind of bodybuilding training. And I definitely think that any kind of training that builds uh, muscle um, and, and if you train in a well-balanced manner, you know, um, and you have balance, then yeah, that's definitely just building the foundation. So I had a foundation um, to build off of, you know, I was, I can't remember what I was in, in kilos. I think, you know, when I first left Virgin Gym, I was probably around 90 kilos, quite lean. So I'm six foot two. I wasn't big, but there was a degree of muscle that was there compared to the average person. Um, and yeah, definitely, the time I'd spent in the gym, it, it paid dividends, you know, the numbers probably came up quicker for me than, you know, if I'd done, obviously if I'd done no training before that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I think it's not it's not a bad entryway to kind of get into the sports. I think kind of like you're saying, again, for these people that are trying to jump into it, especially like young kids, they're just starting off trying to pull heavy, they're trying to pull more than they should be doing, when actually it would probably pay them a lot of dividends to go back, do a little bit more of this volume work, <clears throat> excuse me, create the foundation like you've said, then you have that the, the muscularity behind you, your tendons and ligaments are going to get a little bit stronger with all that volume training and your body's going to be a little bit more resilient to the load that you're going to be putting through it. So I, I don't think it's a bad idea, man. I think as a concept, I think it probably would work for a lot of people. Yeah, I think probably what I took most of all from the previous training before strength training was the period of time when I was doing bodybuilding. That was so strict and so hard what I did because I didn't really know what I was doing, and I was <laughs> literally starving myself, and but sticking to the the the, the diet in completely, which was entirely wrong. I, <laughs> it's actually really funny but embarrassing. So I used to think that you know if there's 200 grams of potatoes, that that was 200 grams of carbs. So, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I can I can see where the mistake comes in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I just try to work out my carb intake from what people have told me, you, you know, what's high carb, low carb, low carbs are 150 grams. And I was like, I mean, 150, 200 grams of potatoes a day. And I was like, oh why God. do I feel like I'm dying? 
Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Oh, lean, man. <laughs> yeah, I bet you got lean, dude. You were consuming no calories, dude. What do you expect? That's mad. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. It was. So, yeah, I, but by going through that turmoil, it, it made life a lot easier uh, for when I went to strength training. So I was, I was quite disciplined um, in, in my approach to training. Um, never had off days. And, you know, if, if there was... Uh, anything I needed to do with my diet, you know, I've got the willpower to do that. And that's something that I've kind of tried to keep in check. Um, I have kind of a, a philosophy of, with strength training, I don't think you should ever restrict your body to a weight class. If you want it to reach its full potential, um, you want to you wanna allow it to grow. And being in a calorie deficit while trying to get stronger, is just, they don't go hand in hand. So I always... I'm always in a calorie surplus going into a competition, but at the same time, because I care about my health and aesthetics to a degree, but more so just to keep healthy, I have a period of time post-competition where I'll sort out my body fat, my body composition, and try and ensure that I'm not sacrificing my health in the endeavor of getting stronger. So when you say that, are you kind of invariably saying that you're just putting yourself into like a slight calorie deficit, maybe trim away some of the, the excess but vital fat, and then if you need to then go back into a surplus to continue building, you do that? Yeah, so for eight, eight weeks normally, six to eight weeks post-competition, while I'm deloading anyway and nothing's really heavy and I'm probably working on work Perfect capacity. time, right? Perfect yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. That's when I trim away some of the fat um, and just going to a slight calorie deficit so how many times a year do you reckon you would do that or is that like a one a year kind of thing well i uh, i only try and compete twice a year um i don't like to compete more often than that because i find the more you compete um with the time it takes to peak and condition yourself to a competition the less time you spend in the vital areas that actually get you stronger 100 percent, yeah so for me, it only happens two times a week. Um, sorry, <laughs> two times a year yeah. that I'll go through that stage. But because I don't go mad when I'm I'm only in a slight calorie surplus and I and I, and I don't get you know massively fat, uh, that's normally that's about the right time for me to just tidy things up anyway. Do you ever get to a point where you're kind of you're coming into the competition and you're actually probably weighing too heavy? Do you ever have to kind of do water cuts and stuff beforehand or do you always like to keep your hydration nice and high going into a competition being really full? Like do you do you do the kind of stereotypical like sitting in a sauna for like two hours the night before sweating out like seven pounds worth of water weight? No. I uh I hate water cutting. I I I hate the, anyone that the, enjoys the it is a psychopath. It. I don't care what you say. Like, but, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't. Enjoy, if I did it, I wouldn't enjoy doing it. And the the whole, I just don't like the idea of it anyway. As well, so you know, people will walk around at 130 to 135 kilos, walk up quite easily into the one two five class. You know, you can lose 10 percent body weight. Uh, you know, from a from a decent water cut. Um, hit a total, you know, claim some records and, and claim to be, you know, doing that at a certain body weight when really it's, it's 10, 15 kilos out of place. Um, normally, the usual one is, you know, when people do say they've done a three times body weight lift or so many times body weight total, um, you, you look at a 10 times body weight total, if, you know, if, if you're 90 kilos, for instance, and, and you're cutting to 80 kilos, 
um, and you're weighing at 80 kilos, but you, you, you're actually competing at 90 kilos a, on the day, and you're claiming a 10 times body weight total because you, you totaled 805 kilos. Yeah. Well, really, 90 kilos, a 10 times body weight total would be nice, so you're not almost 100 kilos away from that. Yeah, which uh, is humongous at that level. At that yeah. level, that those percentages are so tiny, like you can't just be putting a hundred kilos on any total. <laughs> I I, to, I totally get why people do it um, for Wilkes points and to to break records um, and whatever. But I'm just morally, uh, I, I don't know. I just don't. I do you don't think people like do it, it too much? Do you think it's too common in the industry? I mean, you know, if it was up to me, I think two hour weigh-ins would be done throughout all competitions. Uh, that's one of the reasons uh, that attracts me to, to Pro Raw, which is my next competition. Um, it's a two-hour weigh-in. Um, so you've got to be in and around the weight that you're supposed to be. Um, I don't think it'll ever stop. Um, the logistics of running competitions, it's hard to do that kind of thing. It's easy for people to weigh in the day before. So is this what they're saying? It's just like a time thing. They can get people registered easier. They don't have quite so much stress on the day. Is that kind of like the validity they're giving to that reason? One, I think it's one of the reasons why competition organizers do that. And maybe, you know, if they, 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 they're hiring a venue, you know, they have weigh-ins, um, the day before it's just easy because the time it takes to set up and deconstruct the competition mm. and everything they need to set up it's just one of those things um i don't know it's just my own view on it, it it's, it's, it's perfectly legal within the rules um but it leaves a sour taste in your mouth yeah <laughs> it's yeah it's just not for me I, like the whole body weight equation and wilkes points thing it's something that's embodied very much in strength sports, powerlifting, more so. So people, it, it matters and it means something that you tell somebody, you know, I've got a 500 points Wilk score. But this is what I kind of argue back to that. You know, in terms of what I've lifted and what I've achieved or want to, want to achieve, I want to be able to, like, sit my grandkids down one day and tell them, you know, your granddad, you know, he lifted 400 kilos and he did this. I don't want to have to sit him down and go, well, you know, I lifted 300 kilos, but because I only weighed 80 kilos, that's a 450 kilo, you know, point score. So that means that I'm stronger than Eddie Hall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you try and explain yeah. that to somebody yeah. outside of strength sports, and you, you're kind of going to get, yeah, so what? Just tell me what you lifted. Yeah. Um, yeah, so <laughs> outside the, the realms of powerlifting, you know, people only care about what you've lifted. Um and that's all I'm after. I just want to get as strong as I possibly can, but in a timely manner, without yeah. sacrificing health. And and what what's the what's the mentality uh, like in the powerlifting world? Because I know what it's like in in the strongman world, and everyone kind of really gets behind everyone, especially when it comes to competition days. What's it like in the powerlifting world when it comes to kind of uh, breaking records, whether it's PRs, national records, world records. Do you, uh, do you do, is it a case of that people are like, oh man, I hope he doesn't fucking get that because I want that, or is it like in strongman where people are like, hey, right, let's get behind him, let's go for it, let's see if he can get it. No, I think there's definitely camaraderie. You know, uh, people want people to succeed, and I think that's throughout strength sports. You know, unless the person's a bit of a dick. You know? <laughs> are there lots of dicks in the powerlifting world there's, there's, there's the occasional one <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone has one 
Yeah, they just, you know, it's usually just the egomaniacs who just get a bit carried away with themselves, you know. Just because you're stronger than someone, it doesn't mean you're any better than them. You know, calm down. Um, but in terms of, of, of records, the only controversy you kind of get um, in powerlifting is the discrepancy in judging standards between federations, and you have all-time records. So you have, you know, you have multiple federations that are out there, but each federation has their own British record, and then again, they have their own world and European record. So, you know, I think I've worked out an equation once in considering all the um, weight classes, um, age classes, you know, raw, equipped, single-ply, all of these classes, and I think I worked out there was something like six, there can be six or 7,000 British champions in the UK um, alone in powerlifting because there's a variety of that many oh things. Oh, God. So, so which kind of basically means that no one's special. No, it doesn't. It's a really hard. It's a, I hate saying that because people, you know, they work hard towards achieving, you know, if you're a, you get, become a British champion, you should be proud of that. But other federations are kind of held with higher esteem than others because I know it, it's kind of like oh if 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 I was in strongman and I kind of won my local opens you know it's not the same as me winning the opens that's going to qualify me to get on Giants Live do you know what I mean like they're different calibers yeah there's different levels so I'd say you know there's tested and untested and the the best tested side is IPF the standard of lifting there you know the records they speak for themselves and then. When you get to the untested side, it's it's so many, you know, it's watered down competition so much that in the end, and 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 because of the discrepancy in judging, you have you have these British records, and 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 different federation records, but then you have all time records, which are the highest lift across all federations for in a, for a squat, total bench, whatever it is. But then the other factor you get with that is from one federation to another, unfortunately, the standard of judging can be quite different. So, you know, you talk about squatting. If you're not squatting all the way down, you all of a sudden turn in a 100-meter race into a 60-meter race. And for me, records are kind of meaningless now. Um, they've okay. been dirty and muddied so much with uh, bad lifts being passed that they mean less to me. Um, and that's that's me who say I've got the all-time British record in the one-two-five class, but which is I, interesting that you say that. Like I I love I love the fact that you've kind of said that. It's kind of like yeah, I hold this title and it is one of the biggest titles, but actually realistically, it doesn't mean that much in the grand scheme of things because of this, this, and this. The fact that you have yeah. that introspect is fucking awesome, man. Like that's brilliant yeah. that you have that thought process. Because unfortunately, you have to look at what how that lifter has lifted has, yeah. has performed those lifts individually, and then what you. What I more I seek out the highest competition I can. So then you have to go to competitions like Pro Raw, something like or US Kern and Big Dogs, places like that where the best of the best go to compete head to head in competitions that have got a, a reputation for a good standard of judging. So how how do you clean the judging up? What what are your thought process? How, how do you think that they can clean the judging up so they're getting more consistency across the board do they need to be taking like head judges from like the, these pro raw meets these big dog meets and saying okay well actually this is the standard that we need to adhere to this is what we're looking for if it doesn't hit it we should be able to do this this and this 
Oh, it's a, it's it's a really hard one to solve. I think that the the first thing that we have to be able to do to start fixing the issue is talk about it, um, and there has to be accountability because True. as soon as you, normally when you start talking about um, stuff like this, because the 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 guys at the centre of this, the the judges at these powerlifting competitions who are making these decisions. They're the heart and soul and foundation of powerlifting. You wouldn't have these competitions if these people weren't nice enough to give up their time. So it makes it a really awkward thing to go, that judge was terrible uh, because, you know, they're giving up their time and you wouldn't have, there wouldn't have been a powerlifting competition there without them. But at the same time, the blame needs to lie somewhere. And, and unless we talk, we're allowed to talk about it, which normally you, you aren't and you get shot down, you call the hater, or you just said you just told that if you weren't there on the day, you've got no right to say whether that lift should have been passed. Yeah. Um, which and you're like, no, dude, because there's a there's these things, and you can record things and watch them back a thousand times at any angle. And you can put it's... fucking protractors on your phone, like. Yeah, this, you know... it's clear to see. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. talk, talk about fifty-fifty lifts. You can set, you can see when there's definite ones that, yeah, you know, uh, shouldn't have passed. Um, but in terms of, of, of fixing it long term, I don't know, this talk of like, you know, video referees and um, I don't know. It just, I, I seem to think that the only guys who've got it really nailed down at the moment are the, are the, is Marcos and the guys over at Pro Raw, Emad and Marcos, uh, who seem to have a really consistent standard of judging over there. Um, I, I can't really, t I, I got invited to the US Kern to compete there. I haven't competed there, so I can't really endorse them. Because I've not been there, they might, I'm not saying that they don't, but you know, yeah. I can only vouch for the for the competitions I've gone to and, and, yeah, and, and speak highly of. So um, it'd be those guys over at Pro Raw, or or if you if I had to, you know, if I'm picking a federation in the UK, it's the GPC that seem to be pretty bob on. Um, so you you just got to follow suit with those guys. I think the GPC actually uh, they got some flack uh, one or two years ago. There was a couple of lifts that were passed. And I know some guys were involved in in, in running the, that federation, and they they actually had a word with their judges, and you know they strict they got things, uh, you know they strictened things up with with the standards, and and you saw yeah. a, a, Which a difference. You should so, yeah, so it's it's a really hard one to fix. It's not a simple answer, but I don't feel I don't think that people should be made to feel bad for talking about it. I'm, I, this isn't the first time I've talked about it and I've had some, I have had some flack uh, in the past. But I've always tried to be, you know, I'm, I'm only trying to be honest and genuine. Um, I'm not trying to slate anybody. And, you know, if my if these opinions hurt somebody's feelings, you know, I'm, I'm only to be, being truthful. Yeah, um, 100%. But no, I, you're, it's completely right. Like, we have to put the platform out there to, to talk about it openly for people to discuss it. But then also for people to come back and say, okay, well, actually, maybe that point isn't valid because of this. At this moment in time, I think with everything that you've said, you're, you're pretty bob on with stuff. I mean, with my limited knowledge of powerlifting, I know that there are some rather large federations, which we won't name, that have given away some some lifts that most definitely should not have been given away but at the end of the day shit happens you can't do anything about it you can only you can only do what you can do so then it's up to you to then say okay well actually maybe i don't want to compete in this federation because i don't want to be associated with that but i know the guys over at pro raw gcp whatever it that's, is that's, that's exactly and that's what, what you do and then that gives validity to those 
those federations and the other federations will slowly dwindle away over time because that's what happens. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they will always be there because some people aren't. I think there's a line, you know, pizza, there's, there's people who take it really seriously like me and then these guys who just do it for a hobby and for something to do at the weekend. And they're not, so they don't get their, their knickers in a twist when a bad lift gets passed uh, because it's just a bit of fun for them. But for guys like me, it's something I take really seriously. You know, I'm trying to be the world's best at something and I want the standards for everybody to be the same. So it's fair. Um, and I've ended up deciding not to lift in federations um, and choose certain ones, you know, not look at certain competitions because I only want to compete in, you know, in, in what I see is going to be a more fair level playing field. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's a respectable thing. I, I don't think that you should be made to feel bad about that um, because at the end of the day, you only want what's best for you and you need to play on whatever playing field you are happy on. And like you said, if there are these discrepancies out there, you don't ever want to be going into a meet going, okay, I don't I don't want to be given a lift that I shouldn't be given a lift for because then that also then taints your reputation. It also then yeah. screws up your training because then you then have that voice in the back of your head that's like, well, I was giving three, three white lights on that last one, so why shouldn't I do this again? And then you start to get into bad habits. You go into yeah. a, 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 you know, a, a different standard a different governing body that doesn't give you three white lights and then all of a sudden your ego gets in check and well, why the fuck am I not getting three white lights I get three white lights over here and they love my squat they think it's low enough so what, what's wrong yeah, with you guys you're, you're, you're like what? you don't know how much you're, you're on the board with what you're saying you know when people go to other competitions and that they are no, I'm not that, that normally passes at home uh, yeah but you know I've gone through this process myself um I, I got butt hurt over records that I lost because I, you know, other they went to other people and I was watching these lists thinking, oh my god, really? <laughs> <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah. And I just it almost put me off competing in powerlifting completely. And in the end, I just thought, you know what? No, I'm going to hold myself to my own standards. And my goal is now <clears throat> to just get so strong that it doesn't really <laughs> records or no records. People just know that Sam Bollins is a strong motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what I'm aiming to achieve. I love that. So, yeah. So um so how how did you get involved with working with Andy, Andy Bolton? How did that come about? Like obviously you guys have uh, you guys have done some seminars and stuff together. He obviously has uh, insane knowledge within within the powerlifting world, but how how did that kind of first come together? So um a, tra a training partner of mine and, and somebody who actually opened a gym up with um, is good friends with Andy. His name's Jim Nuttall. Um, so whilst I've been training and progressing through powerlifting, Andy's been somebody who's been in and around in the background. I've spoken to a few times. I've, I, you know, I've got to know him a little bit, seen him at competitions, um, and just you know, had a few conversations with him as I've progressed. And it kind of came out, out of the blue. We haven't um, worked together before, but we were having conversations on the phone about training and we were realising that there was similarities that lay within um, both of our training. Yeah. You know, the fundamentals were, were quite similar. I mean, I'm, I, my coach is Australian strength coach, yeah. Sebastian Orad. He has a, a whole system and a, you know, and a technique and it's something that I've adapted into my own training and with my own clients as well. 
But when you strip it back and look at the the essentials and the fundamentals, there were there were quite similar things between both our styles of training. So you know, we just thought we'd decide to to put um, a seminar on where we talk about deadlifting and programming and everything else. Um, and it was literally just this weekend gone, and it was it was quite a success and pretty good. Yeah, it was it was interesting to because we we both went in, we talked briefly about what we were going to cover. But I didn't know exactly what he was going to say, and he didn't know exactly what I was going to say. Um, there was, it was like, there's more than one way to skin a cat. <laughs> I don't know if that, that's an, exp- I don't know if that's an, an expression up north, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, there's two different methods that that still achieve great results, uh, and, and it was interesting to talk about that. But I think it's so interesting that obviously, you know, you, you come from a completely different school than he comes from in terms of school, old school powerlifting. Like, it's so interesting that still after all of this time and not necessarily you kind of delving into the research of like, what does he do? What does he do? That you both are doing very similar things and yet you have both achieved incredible things in your time within powerlifting in terms of like your fundamentals i think it's so interesting that you have that crossover without even necessarily meaning to do it like it obviously means that there is some validity in what you guys have been doing this whole time that stands true for for, for training as a whole so so yeah. what what were you guys finding um you were doing that was quite similar is it in terms of like your load structure your rep ranges rest nutrition what is it I think the one of the most key important things that um, we both did that I think is is so essential to everybody's training, uh, particularly in strength training, and that is conservative weight selection. You know, instead of we don't we don't push the boundaries on every session, we stay within our limits. Now, my own reasons for for doing that, you know, to, to, to reduce the risk of injury, to, to, to improve technique um, and all other variety of reasons. Because if you, if, if it's a kind of like a sweet spot of training. So I try and get within and, and right in the sweet spot, you're able to um, perform the, the set with that technique breaking down. Um, you're not, um, just thinking oh my god get this over with because it's so heavy <laughs> and yeah, you just yeah. want to get it over and done with and, and and you're still getting a stimulus to get stronger or if you you know going through a hypertrophy phase you, you know you can still get the work capacity in um but if you go too far the other way uh, and and train too hard or too heavy you know technique breaks down um you're failing reps your, your recovery is hindered and the reduce of uh, and the risk of injuries a lot greater. And there's a variety of reasons why we, we both have a reason for being conservative with the, the weight selection, but those were, that was a really consistent theme between us. And I think it's so important. It's a point that I try. I do videos every so often on, on Instagram, trying to give bits of training advice out. And no matter how many times I try and kind of push the point that, you know, you don't have to, push mega heavy to get stronger all the time it still seems to get ignored <laughs> but yeah, dude, because everyone wants to lift with their ego right like everyone wants to chuck another 20 on there and just rip it off the floor and it's like well actually maybe that's not the best thing for you Every, everybody what it is it's you, you're hungry to see results you want to train hard so you push hard but how you get results in strength training is by training smart 
and that's the hard thing you know over long going... periods of time which we've already covered yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the same thing and right it's people yeah. just trying to do it too quick and again i think you know social media plays its role when people are um they, th they think of hitting a new three rep max in their training you know um because they want to post a pb or they want to just feel like they're stronger than what they were before by lifting more weight than they've lifted before for three reps during training. And, you know, I have the ethos of, of forget what's on the bar. Don't think your body does it. You know, if you hit a two and a half kilogram PB for five reps, it's not like all of a sudden a switch is turned on in your body and it's got stronger. You're just giving your body a stimulus. You put it in a stressful environment that it needs to adapt to. And it doesn't matter what, whether it's a PB or not. It just needs to be the correct load to create that stimulus and for your body to adapt. Yeah, and and your strong. body doesn't know what load is on there. You know, if it's if it's two two seven five or if it's two seven seven five, like your your body doesn't know. It just knows that there is a stress, there is a weight, and your body then has to contract against that force it's it's a case of i think people i think you're right like people just getting caught up on numbers far 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 too much and it, it it's so much more detrimental to to their progress than i think a lot of people realize man yeah i um the reason going back to why i kind of like only compete twice a year you know these i see my training into a competition is kind of two phases and the reason why I have such a long period between competitions, so I try and aim to have six months between competitions. Um, it takes okay. me about it takes me about eight weeks to peak uh, into competition, which I kind of see that phase as conditioning the body for the really high intensity, low volume um, sets. Basically, testing your your maxes. Mm -hmm. You know, with with bearing really heavy weight, you know, your body has to kind of adapt. Um, to that and I just see those last eight weeks as kind of bringing your body into condition to then attempt your one rep maxes but the that's eight weeks so in six months it's 26 weeks that leaves us with 18 weeks and I see that 18 weeks is that's the portion of time where you're actually getting stronger that's where okay. I'm with, I'm trying to build you know muscle hypertrophy I'm trying to improve my work capacity I'm trying to improve my lifting technique, um, all of these things um, in the aid to, you know, build strength during this phase of time. Um, and and th that, that's that's where I'm getting stronger. You know, people yeah. see, see the high numbers, the heavy sets um, as, as the part of getting stronger. That's, I see that as kind of you testing how strong you are. Um, so if, if, you know, if, if you follow my training, for 18 weeks of a 26 week prep it's boring as fuck <laughs> you know there's not a lot going on it's sixes sevens eights fives maybe some fours and i'm moving it pretty easily i'm not grinding reps out you know we're just going through the motions doing what you need to do uh hitting the accessory work of all the muscles the supporting muscle groups that we need to hit uh did i just go off then no 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 it's all good the low battery came what was all um so yeah i'm uh, i'm just working on all, all of that as much as i can um and that's that's what i see is the key part of of getting stronger you know the the old the old analogy of you can only peak as high as your base is wide 
the, 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 peak, the peak is the last eight weeks. The base is the 18 weeks. And I'm trying to get that base as wide as possible to the peak of when we test our maxes. And uh, so I'm interested to see, obviously, you know, you, you, you work with Baz, Sebastian. Um, what do you feel has been the biggest change that he's brought about to whether it's your training protocol, your technique, uh, you know, what you're doing outside of the gym? What has kind of been his biggest influences on you, you feel like, at this, at this stage? Yeah, so Baz has been, uh, you know, he's had a massive impact on my training and my depth of knowledge uh, into where I should be directing my efforts, not only in the gym, but outside of the gym. So when I say that, you know, he's obviously a really great programmer. He, he's, he's on the bottom with the numbers. Uh, we're hitting all the accessory movements that we need to be hitting that's supporting the main lifts. Um, but those kind of things I was almost doing quite well myself before I was making, yeah you know, but dude you don't get to where you've got to without being pretty good at doing all that shit yourself do you know what I mean like it's it's not like he's come along it's like the Wizard of Oz and he's just changed everything you know you, you, you've been you've been doing pretty goddamn well by yourself up until now man <laughs> yeah what is it what it is it was the depth of knowledge on how I'm supposed to move when I'm performing these lifts the little technical corrections the deeper understanding of why are we performing these other movements how are they complementing um, the squat, bench, and deadlift. What's their role? The muscles how, that we're training. What's their role in in, in actually the main lift? Uh, which I think, if you can understand that better, you can. You know, you're more motivated to 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 do those exercises, and you probably concentrate on executing those movements even better. But as as well as that, you know, it's not just the, the reason why I've come on quite a lot since I've worked with Baz is because I've made sure that I've got the other areas of my life in check. So. When I went, when I first started working with Baz, I'd only been in the one, two, five class for six, nine months. I had sleep apnea, so um, my quality of sleep wasn't very good. So I, I, I had to get a CPAP machine. Um, so my quality of sleep was vastly improved from just getting the the, the, the CPAP machine. Making I ensure that I'm, I'm obsessive with getting eight hours sleep every night. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, what time is it? I'm up at this time. I need to make sure I get at least eight hours because I know that's essential to, to, to get adequate recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, my diet's on point now. You know, I, I, it's pretty much the vertical diet, how I eat. Um, it's not really a – it's a style of eating. I don't like really like calling it a diet, but it's it's just ticking lots of boxes, easily digestible foods that uh, you get your vitamins, your minerals, and, and the hydration as well that you're, that you're taking, you know, by getting your potassium, your magnesium, adding salts. You know, all these things collectively, they make a big difference. So I've improved the quality of sleep. I've got a CPAP machine. I'm making sure I'm getting eight hours. My nutrition's on point. My hydration's on point. I'm smart programming. I have a better understanding of uh, the accessory movements, and I know how to move better and, you know, what I'm trying to achieve whilst I'm moving. Um it's all of these things kind of holistically. Um, you know, you could have the best program in the world, but if you're only sleeping four hours uh, a night and you're in a calorie deficit, it's just still going to be a shit program. <laughs> you know, you're not going to you're not going to see great results from it. Dude, hundred um, percent. And it's going back to what you're saying about uh, kind of the fundamentals. Doing the simple shit well wins ten times out of ten. You know, unless you are ticking all those boxes, it doesn't matter how much you're busting your ass in the gym. If you're not getting 
you know, seven, eight, nine hours sleep, and you're only on three or four, you could be hitting PBs all day long, but you're going to be screwed within a matter of time because your central nervous system is just going to start shutting down. You're not going to be able to function. You're not going to be able to fire properly, and you're just going to end up hurting yourself. So I think it's really important that people listen to that sort of stuff because in the grand scheme of things, you know, if you think about supplementation, you think about sleeping, you think about all those other things, in the grand scheme of things, that's maybe only 20 to 30% outside of your actual training and, and kind of core nutrition. But that kind of 20, 30%, when you're at the level that you're at, where the margins are so freaking small, that is the difference between you coming 10th and coming first. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's it, yeah, all these little things, it's just fine tuning. Like the, the main thing is, you know, your, your training's your, your 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 programming's correct. You're getting eight hours sleep, and you're getting good. You know, you're getting good nutrition. You're not in a calorie deficit. But you can fine tune all of that, and you can try and do extra little bits to just tweak even more out of it. So, uh, one of the other things I do, I go for a twenty minute walk every morning. Um, just bit of active recovery. This is no before more, food. Only... Like you just literally wake up, pop your shoes on, and just get out the front door. Are you having coffee beforehand? Water? What are you doing? I just get up straight away, headphones in, normally listen to a bit of music or a podcast, uh, and just go for a walk around the park for 20 minutes. Um, it's not really for you know to burn fat or cardio, but it, I suppose it is cardio to a certain degree. Well, it's just looking uh, after your heart, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but it's literally it's more for active recovery. I see that. I wake up in the morning and I think, I really can't be honest. It's, it's, it's the middle of January and it's raining. I don't want to go for a walk. But then I think I'm aching and I've got to go and squat X amount tomorrow. So I need to go for this walk because that's what might make two, five percent difference in my recovery. Um, and, you know, I just I just do it. I just I see it as as I try and put my body in what I call like the perfect storm of of, of, of all these elements um, or if you think of it as a plant, you know, you want to get all the best ingredients you can together to, to make it grow as much as possible. And that's what I'm do trying to do with my body as much as I can. Yeah, and I think it's important as well to, to kind of put out there that everyone is kind of, everyone is different in their own way. So it's also a case of finding out like what works best for you, whether it's a case of, you know, you're doing your morning, your walk in the morning, whether you're doing your walk in the evening, whether you're eating at this time, whether you're fasting, whether you're hitting your gym session in the morning, in the evening, like whatever works for your body, I think is really, really important. I think you're, you're probably at, at a state now where you've been training, what was, you said it was 11 plus years now. Yeah, about 11, maybe 12. I'm yeah, you, after that amount of time, you know, you really start to get a good understanding of what your body responds well to, what it doesn't respond well to, when you should be training, when you should be doing these other things. But I think for those people that are new to it, they need to go through that and they need to find out what's yeah. going to work for them. Because, you know, yeah. just, just because Thor does it this way or just because you do it this way, it doesn't mean that little Jimmy is going to do it that way because little yeah. Jimmy's body might not respond. I, I, yeah. I, I take things to the extreme. Uh, it's funny, actually. <laughs> you don't say. You don't yeah. say. One of the strongest motherfuckers on the planet. You don't say. But um, it's funny, actually, because you, you, when you mentioned Thor there, um, Baz came over. Baz is Australian straight coach. I only say that because um, I was calling him Seb for a long time, and I didn't realise everyone was calling him Baz. Baz. I, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was an Australian thing. Everyone's calling him Baz. I'm like, 
why are you, everyone calling you Baz? And like, Sebastian, yeah, yeah. just Baz. But anyway, in case, you know, you're as stupid as me and you didn't realise that. <laughs> when I say Baz, I mean yeah, Sebastian. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Baz, he had a, a seminar uh, over in London uh, with Thor. And I, I came down and uh, I went to that seminar. We, we went for food as well afterwards, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, but when I was down there, I was sat with my missus, Kia, um, and she gets on at me every now and then, says I'm boring. You know, I don't, I've given up drink. I don't, I don't, I didn't drink a lot anyway, but, you know, I don't drink anymore. And I'm doing all these things. And I, Thor was talking and it was like a record on repeat of exactly what I was saying and doing. He was talking about hydration. He was talking about going for his walks, for his digestion and stuff like that. And I'm nudging it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was really good for me to hear that from somebody like Thor. So Thor, when he first started, he, was, he took it even further than me. When I was out being Jack the Lad, you know, from... 18 to 25, whatever it was, um, failing to attract women. <laughs> he was, you know, he, he was um, training. You know, he when he was 19, I think he was saying that um, he was in a stage of his life where he just started Strongman and all of his friends were wanting to go out partying at the weekend. And he decided that he wasn't going to do that and he doesn't drink. And he never went through that period of his life that most of us have done. Um where we're going out on a Saturday night, binge drinking, uh, and he had to lose a lot of friends and make new groups of friends because the circle in which he moved in, you know, was different to the ones that were partying. And but that's one of the reasons why he's achieved so much and he's got to where he is um, because of that dedication. But So when I was sat there listening to that, I was like... And also, there's fuck all else to do in Iceland, just putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if, if anything outside of Reykjavik, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. All, all you can do is like go and pick stones up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really big stones. Try and be a Viking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's interesting, but you know, I mean, it makes sense as 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 to you know why you guys have had both had good success in what you're doing is because. You know, it's the whole thing again, like you're doing similar things. Success leaves traces. You know what I mean? Like if you follow in the footsteps of these people that all seem to be doing the same sort of thing, if you base your foundation around those things, you know, I'm not saying walk in the exact same shoes, but base the foundations around what you guys are doing, taking those things and implementing them in, they obviously do something. So why not give yeah. it a shot? You just gotta, you've got to make a decision on how much it's, you know, how much value is it in it for you. Um, you don't expect everybody to be, you know, scheduling a twenty-minute walk every day, never to drink alcohol, um, and you know, taking things to the extreme that I have. But you've got to understand that when you reach a certain level, if if you want to become the very best, this is what the very best are doing. You have to make sacrifices, right? And I think, it, like you said, that's. It's where you get that big divide from those kind of weekend warriors and those guys that are in the federations that are saying, well, actually, no, that isn't a good lift because you're the one that's like, well, actually, I don't want to be here. I want to be taking this pro. I want to get my pro card. I want to be, you know, traveling the world. I want to be competing in this federation, that federation. And that's where the difference kind of comes in. So I think, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. So um, when you're kind of like coming into competition, stuff like that, you know, you're looking after your body, what? 
or do you even have like prehabilitation routines rehab stuff what kind of stuff what are the little things that you're doing for your body that maybe not everyone else is you know are you foam rolling are you doing hydrotherapy are you you know what are you up to okay so um i'm again a little bit obsessive with this now this is i, I do before every uh squat and deadlift session i have my own activation and warm-up routine they're basically again adapted from Baz. Um, it's basically the McGill Big Three for the core activation. Yeah. Uh, just go through that. You know, there's no better research that's been conducted to to show that that you know this has been proven to be the best way to to for core stability to act. You know, to to increase yeah. core stability. Um, so I do that, and I couple that with um, Andrew's Andrew Locke's glute activation routine. So it's just the some supine adult. banded work and then the hip thrusts and the box squats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Dude, so I, I use I, it almost every day with all of my clients. I absolutely yeah. love it as an activation sequence. It's amazing. Yeah, and that, that for me ticks all the boxes before squat and deadlift. Um, before I bench, I do a quick round of two sets for external rotation, um, external rotators with the cables, um, some seated shoulder press, and some lap pull downs just okay. to again get some blood in, in and activate the supporting muscle groups yeah. that are um you know they're supporting your bench press so b before every single session even I've, I've deloaded this week um and to be honest in my head i had like a little battle in my head i was coming into the gym and doing a lot less weight than what i normally do and i just wanted to get in and out so i could hurry up and be home because it was a nothing session <clears throat> But I couldn't, I still did it. I still, it's like I couldn't not do the McGill Big Three in my glute activation. Because in my head, I was like, well, what if on this session I get injured because I didn't? <laughs> and these are the things that I'm really obsessive with. But it um, sets the tone for the session as well. You know, every single time you're coming in and you're doing that stuff and you're going through those motions, I'm sure of it that there's like, there's this, there's this repetition in your head that's like, okay, I'm going through this, my body's getting ready, we know what's coming. Yeah, we're loading. We're going through the sequence now. Okay, we're about to get into squats. The glutes are activating, and now we're under the bar. Bang. It doesn't matter whether it's the bar, whether it's 60, 100, 260, 300. Everything is the same. Your squat's the same. And I say it to my clients every single time. When you step underneath that empty bar, it should literally be like you have a max effort on the bar. Whether you're squatting with an empty bar or it's your max, nothing changes. You approach it the exact same because then it doesn't matter what's on the bar. You're going to hit it the same every single time. Exactly. And um, going back to like having a bit more of a deeper understanding of, of why I'm doing these things. So uh, like when I talk about um, listening to podcasts um, in the morning, so I've listened to podcasts at Squat University on the McGill Big Three. And then again, they've done a follow up one of how you're meant to, you know, perform these exercises and what, how, why is that the best way to warm up and, you know, achieve uh, rest? Uh, stability in, in, in your spine for, for whilst you're lifting so I feel more confident knowing that this is benefiting my training so it just gives you more confidence knowing that you're doing all the right things it solidifies uh, it in your own brain because I think we're in an industry now where there are so many opinions there are so many uh, studies that have been put out on this and this is the best way to do that and these are the three best exercises for that and this is the top tip you've got to get you know for your lumbar supine it's like well no actually like you said there is no like 
definitive way to skin a cat. But when you look at this and you're like, okay, well, this is actually yielding the best results for that. So, well, yeah, I'm going to use that. And I'm also going to take a bit of that and I'm going to use that. And then you put together whatever you feel works best for you and boom, you're away. Then in your head, you know everything. Again, going back to, you know you're doing everything you can be doing. It's that whole thing of like, what if? What if I could be doing a little bit more with this? What if I could be doing, what if I found the best exercise for that it's like well okay if i've ticked all those boxes i don't have to have that voice in the back of my head that's keeping me up at nine o'clock being like have you done your lumbar support work today it's like yeah. okay, no i don't need to worry about it man because it's done yeah that's exactly i think you know i think you know if you're there you know trying to look at what you can uh, do to improve things you're not going to go straight from just starting strength training to implementing everything that i do it'd be silly to try and do that but what you can do day by day, just think, what can I do that's a little bit different? Or week by week, what can I do that's a little bit better than the week before? And that's how I, I, you know, I still look at what I'm doing. And I think, well, what could I, you know, in my diet, you know, is this something that I could drop or add in that might benefit? And I'm just constantly trying to improve things. So uh, one of the other things that I do in my training um, at the moment is I do do a little bit of uh, hip stability work. Okay. Because, um, I, I I've torn my hamstring uh, two or three times, my right hamstring, in the same place. Um, in the last competition that I competed at, where I totaled a thousand kilos, I only got my opening deadlift. So I, I opened with 372, it moved really nice and easily. And then on my second deadlift, which at the time was to break. I know, I know this shouldn't mean anything because I've said it. doesn't matter. You're going to say it anyway, and we're going to respect it. It was to break the all-time British record across all federations and all weight classes to have that, to basically have the highest total in the UK. Still impressive. Um, yeah, I, I, I tore my hamstring. Yeah. Um, and it's been the, the, the second or third time I've done it. Um, so I, I went in, to, you know, saw, saw a few physios. I got like assessed to try and see what potentially could be causing this you know it could just be a matter of shit happens you know you've torn your hamstring you're trying to pull over 800 pounds and you know <laughs> what do you expect yeah but I, I did it did highlight that i did have poor stability in my hips so i go into the gym now on sundays uh, where i do some grip work as well because i've dropped a couple of deadlifts and i never want to do that again so sundays i do grip work and then I also do uh, some hip stability work, some sing single leg RDLs and some weird movements where I stand on one leg and I close my eyes and, and I try and hold myself on that foot for as long as I can. Yeah. Time, 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 30 seconds. It's, it's, it's harder than you think. And Really hard. It, if no one's ever done it before, honestly, like just stop the podcast and just stand somewhere in the room now, close your eyes and try and stand on one leg for 30 seconds. I promise you, you're going to be there for a few minutes, mate. So um, I do I do all that now, um, and I get some really weird looks. You can imagine, you know, some twenty stone guy, jacked as fuck, just standing in on one leg, looking like someone out of Fry Kid. Yeah, well, you know, I know the reasons why I'm doing it, so I don't care. A hundred percent, and it's 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 again, it's coming back to those those tiny, tiny, tiny percentiles, tiny fractions that makes the difference at that level and like you said you're not going to need it if it's your first ever week in the gym 
Heck, you probably just need to learn how to warm up properly. But, if you are going to warm up, you probably should think about using these because of this. And that's yeah, that, yeah. that's what training is. And I think I think it's important that guys like you and guys like Seb and all these guys that, you know, they, they have a social media presence, but you also have a knowledge. I think it's really important that we continue to educate uh, as much as we can because we're only going to be helping out the future generations and whether they want to listen or not isn't really down to us but i feel like it's down to us to put that information out there and if someone wants to pick it up and run with it then they they can do but i think education is key when it comes to lifting weights because you know a deadlift might seem like a deadlift but to you and i we can see a thousand different things within that deadlift and that's and, the difference yeah and also i think people's intentions and work ethics can some sometimes be right but they're just directing their work into the wrong areas. So, I, I, you know, if I see something with one of the guys who I see regularly in the gym, um, I'll, I can't help myself. You know, I have to tell them because, I, I, you know, I like them. I, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for them. And I don't want them to spend a load of time um, training in a way that's not going to give them very good results. And then they're going to find it frustrating. Um, so that that's where it kind of – I get the motivation to – to talk about these things because you know there's a lot of misinformation bad information or lack of um information or not lack of information but lack of understanding for people starting out on how you're supposed to train um so i think it's important that we try and help them because you know we were all there at one point when i first started you know god if i you know if i could go back you know, I I I would have worked with Baz if he would have had me. <laughs> You've been there like 15 years of age, being like, "Hey, dude, I know you have no <laughs> idea who I am, but <laughs> you know, travel from the future, just make me stronger, <laughs> <laughs> make me like Thor, god damn it." <laughs> yeah, I would have quit drinking a lot earlier. It would have meant that. Mind you, Thor's six foot nine. I don't. I think like I don't yeah, think Thor's you know, level dude... of me. <laughs> Yeah, I've um, I have been tempted. You know, I went to Britain's Strongest Man over the week um, a couple of weekends ago because um, it was in Sheffield, and that, that's where I live. And actually, Loz, um, who you had on yeah, the other yeah. week, um, he came up. We trained together, um, and then I'm mates with Graham. Uh, so me and the missus went down, and we got some good seats. And it was amazing to watch. It's the first big strongman competition I've gone to. Oh, it's uh, incredible, right? Yeah, being yeah. there live, just that atmosphere, dude. Wow. See, for me, like I've been at like, probably the some of the the biggest powerlifting competitions in the world. When you go to a strongman comp and there's ten thousand people, it's just a, a, an entirely different level with the you know the cameras and everything. Um, but you know the the watching it and then like in between going down and speaking with Lars and Graham and. Even Paddy McGuinness was there. Um, it was just chilly. It was, oh, it was, it was an epic like weekend for me in terms of like geeking out as like a powerlifter um, and a Top Gear fan and just, just you know enjoying watching it. It was like tick 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 all yeah, the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> but when I watched it, you know, there was part of me I was like, I don't have lofty aspirations or the the, the impression that I think that you know. I could be the best strongman in the UK, but I'd like to 
make it a goal, I think, at some point in the future to at least compete at the Brixton. Yes! Yes, 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 yes. I would freaking love to see that, man. Dude, even if, even if you entered into entered into a, to, to a weight category and you didn't jump straight into the Opens, I would love to see that. Dude, you under a log, I reckon, would be deadly. Deadly. I'd, um, I'd, 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 uh, I'd still do Opens, and I'd, st- I'd probably go up in weight, you know, I'm on the verge of having to leave the one two five class oh, okay. at the moment. Um, so there's oh, a few dude, things I like want to 15, take 20 off. kilos on you. Christ, you'd Sorry? be a freaking animal. 15, 20 kilos extra on you, you'd be oh deadly. Well, yeah, I don't want to get carried away with myself or overpromise anything, but there's a few things. You know, I want to do big dogs. I want to do a couple of things in powerlifting. But, you know, in terms, again, like achieving something that you can tell the grandkids, you know, down the line, in saying, I was at Britain's Strongest Man here, watch this, this is me on TV. Yeah, you know, but, but Hicksy's done it, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's 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 not a case of that, you know, this isn't something that can't be done. There There is validity to it, you know, Hicksy's flitted between Strongman and powerlifting, you know, and just jumps straight back into one of the biggest powerlifting meets ever and almost pulls, like, the, the, the most insane records and you're like okay how how does one do that but you know going back to everything he's got the foundation man he's been doing it for years he knows what he's doing and again like if, you could be there I, anyone if I, could. If, if I did it you know I'd probably be in my mid to late 30s by the time I do it and again in terms of health and you know I know what toll it would take on me putting another 15 kilos on hard enough putting my socks on right now uh, so it wouldn't be a long term thing it'd just be something to achieve because yeah. at some point uh, you know I do want to be healthy I, I would like you know if I go up to 140 I'd probably miss looking down and seeing my penis <laughs> getting that power belly yeah I know what you mean yeah, yeah it's yeah. um it, well, I mean it's, it's interesting because I, I think you know especially with your body composition and stuff it's a case of I can't, I can't see you getting big big and doing it I still think that you're gonna you'd be strong being lean being the body composition you're at now you know you've got a lot of guys that are coming through now that aren't as big um you know they don't have the traditional power bellies young guys that you know uh kind of six two six three very very similar builds to you that, that are coming in and doing ridiculous stuff because they have that power they have that explosive nature so you know, uh, yeah, we're not so we're not we're not guaranteed anything, but I I think I think you'd be in pretty good company out there, man, a hundred percent. Do you know what would be good is the fact that you know now I'm friends with Lawrence and, and Graham. You know, I've got two really good people to lean on. Oh my uh, god, yeah, like yeah. two of the biggest British legends ever, just like casually like guiding you through your strongman yeah. journey. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know what? You know, like uh, it's 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 all a bit new. This like. Um, People, you know, knowing me for, for powerlifting and stuff like that. And, you know, the fact I did a seminar at the weekend with Andy, I was like stood there at one point. I even said to the to the guys who were sat there, I says, you know, it's, 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 it's a bit mental to me. It's being stood here next to Andy, giving a seminar to a load of people who paid to, to come and listen to me. And the fact that, you know, I've got, Graham Hicks and Lawrence Charlie, these legends who I look up to, I'm like I talk to every other day on WhatsApp. It's pretty cool, you know. It's a it's a good feeling to to um, to to think that you know through powerlifting and you know I've got to know these guys. Um, 
So, yeah, it's, it, when I was at Britain's Strongest Man and I was just, you know, after I walked out and I was like, that was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good feeling. Without sounding too cheesy or too, I don't, I don't sound as if I'm full of myself, but it was just, it was just nice. No, 100%, 100%. I was, I was lucky enough to go to so the year previous, the European Hoglet uh, and Europe's Strongest Man contest in, in Leeds. And I mean, dude, it was just ecstatic that you just, you can't describe the sensation. And like, as, as someone who's been a, a, an athlete all of my life and performing on various different stages, like there's nothing that you don't get that feeling anywhere else in any other point of your life than when you step out in front of a crowd and it's like, oh jesus christ like this is intense like and it just like that adrenaline starts pumping around your body but then you because you've done this so so much you just go into autopilot and it's like there could be thousands of people around but you're so focused on what you're doing it's like you're back in the gym there's two people in there you could hear a pin drop it doesn't matter like but that that feeling that sensation dude if you could bottle that up that would sell for thousands man it's crazy when i went um uh, uh, Luke Richardson, you know, he was competing. I know Luke. Uh, you know, I sent him a, nice, a couple of nice messages before. I give him, I give him some stick sometimes. Uh, you know, just having a laugh. I, t- I, t- I tell him he's got mong strength. <laughs> <laughs> but he, you know, he, he, he knows how to, to, to take it on the chin. He's a good, yeah, he's a good yeah. lad, Luke. He's a really, really good lad, and I was really rooting for him because uh, I was watching him coming out. You know, when they come out with the flags. Um, and that must have been so nerve-wracking. I forget how young he is um, and how fast he's come on. Uh, I was really pleased with him that he, he, he finished fourth um, when, when at the end of that competition. Dude, so, he is the know, future. When he you talk future. about the nerves, when he was coming out, I was thinking, I couldn't imagine what he must be uh, feeling when he's walking out as a young lad with all that expectation he's got on his shoulders. But uh, dude, he but performed. He, he, yeah, performed, yeah, he, he did. Well. You know what? Over the next over the next few years, he's gonna be something. He is gonna be something. Uh, with that mong strength, he's going, he's going far. <laughs> I tell I tell him, you know, I, I joke with him. I say, um, you know, when people are doing your programming, how, how do you know what reps and sets you're meant to be doing with your severe dyslexia? <laughs> <laughs> You know, my sense of humour is a bit brutal sometimes, and I, I, I give, I give Graham a bit of stick as well. But I only give the people that I like stick. Dude, and, that's uh, it. That's that's just that's the bro nature, right? Like we we take we take the piss out of the people that we love the most. That's that's just what that's just how we express ourselves. I think it's a British thing because Baz, he he says, you know, I've got no idea why Graham's still friends with you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I like him. That's why I do it. <laughs> He's like, he loves it. He's like, does he? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, I think so. But now you're making me doubt myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, bit, I'm a bit nervous now because I'm going over uh, to train with him for a couple of weeks or oh, 10 days sweet. before I compete. Over uh, a base and, gym. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, you know, I'm going to have to watch my jokes because, you know, if I, st- <laughs> if I start giving him a bit of stick, he's going to be a bit of <laughs> I don't know, man. His Instagram is just pretty much filled with like sexual innuendos and his penis elbow and all this sort of just ridiculous yeah, stuff and yeah. him lobbing his weight belt he across the gym. 
I think his sense of humor is pretty good, man. Yeah, the, the Aussies are uh, pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. That's sweet. So, um, so, so when you're going over there, is is this gonna be uh like a fine tuning session for you? Is this uh is this uh kind of like holiday prep for you? What are you kind of going over there with the intention to do, or is this just like for a collaboration? What is it? Well, I'm just putting putting this phone on charge. That's cool. So I'm just gonna make sure it doesn't go off. Um. Sorry, what did you say? Am I going over? So, so when you go over to to base gym, is it a case of are you going over there for pre just prep for the comp? Is this catching up with him? What what is it that you're going over specifically to do, or is this like a holiday prep? What is it? No, it's it's still part of the prep. So I'll be doing my last heavy squat session with him. Uh, probably my last heavy bench session. Uh, not enough time. Got enough holiday days to go out early enough uh, to do the last heavy deadlift session unfortunately um but it is you know serious training um not just you know a bit of downtime before the competition i am really looking forward to it um you know to go over to his gym you know base gym now and you know amongst uh powerlifting it's just like it's like i i say to people who don't follow i don't know anything about strength training and if you're into football it'd probably be the equivalent of going to the new camp you know to, to have a training session so um, that that's going to be again cool to go over there, but I'm hoping, you know, this is the first time we'll have actually trained together. You know, we've socialised outside, uh, you know, gone for food and stuff, but we've never actually trained yet. Um, so who knows? Hopefully, with his magic eye, he'll spot something and add 20 kilos to my squat or deadlift or something. Dude, you, um, nev you never know. You never know that these are the things, and it's like it's freaking amazing that you have the opportunity to go over there and do that you know and i'm so happy for you that like these opportunities have opened themselves up and you're getting a chance to do that because yeah, i love it because it's only going to better you and it's only going to better your performance and that's awesome like it's it's so 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 good and i think i think you're onto something good with baz i think with the with the kind of track record that you've got leading into this you know you're in a you're in a pretty decent position coming into the next competition so it's going to be exciting to see kind of what what numbers are going to be putting up dude yeah, it's uh, I've got I've got some nice goals, and you know, I, I, you know, as, as long as I stay injury free and you know come into competition, I'm pretty confident that you know I'm capable of of doing that. I feel even though I you know I've to totaled a thousand, I still feel as if that was a little bit under what I could have done with tearing my hamstring. Um, or, you know, I just I'm still I'm always I feel like I'm always just trying to prove myself. Whether it's to myself or other people, I'm not sure. But you know, I think that's the addictive thing about powerlifting. Um, but it, you know, for a time in the UK, I felt like nobody—well, not no—I felt like I was maybe underrated, and it's been like a, a motivating factor. And I feel like I know what I'm capable of doing, but until you put it down on paper in competition, no one's going to believe you, and. I, I consider myself stronger than a thousand kilos, but I need to show that. Yeah, you need to put it on paper. You need to put that stamp on there and uh, and, and validate that claim. And dude, I think I think you've got that in there. I'm 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 more than quietly confident about the fact that I think that we're probably going to be seeing a thousand plus coming out of you 
in, in relatively uh, relatively quick time. So um, I'm, I'm super, super confident and I'm super excited to see what you can put out. But to kind of close things off, man, I always like to ask this question. I like to get a kind of idea where everyone's coming from. And I want you to, for a second, uh, just think in your head, you're taking a step back in time. You're going through a time machine and you get to go back in time and you get to visit your younger self. You know, just when you really started getting involved with training, when these doors hadn't opened to you yet, when you still had to go through all the hardship, all the bullshit, all the struggles, that you've had to go through what is the one piece of advice the mantra to live by the quote whatever it is that you give to your younger self to get you through all of that stuff to get you to the point where you are at now oh just to really throw you on the spot just to make this as painful as possible for you <laughs> no no it's, it's a really good question it's just there's probably multiple you know without going into multiple different areas trying to think of how i can generalize that answer um, I think the investment of yourself uh, would be something that I would have committed to doing earlier. Um, I was confident that what I was doing was working, um, but I think if I would have invested in myself a little bit earlier when I took the plunge to you know, spend the money and, and get a coach um, and bring somebody on with the, the, the knowledge and experience who has had that, fast forwarded my progression um you know a lot you know it's been pretty extreme how things have gone since i've been working with him um and that's what i'll probably say you know get a, go, go and get with baz sooner <laughs> <laughs> and, I love it, man. Yeah. not not just in the in the way of getting a coach though as well um that they trying to educate myself you know i spend time now I do online a bit of online coaching myself. Stick very much in my uh, field of strength training, but I spend quite a bit of time on trying to uh, learn new things um, from listening to podcasts to reading bits of information, and that's been really beneficial. Um, yeah, I think when you invest in yourself, yeah. it's 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 an invaluable investment, isn't it? You know, if you're investing in yourself, whether it's taking care of your body or, you know, spending a little bit more to get these supplements that, you know, work a little bit better or to get this coach who's a little bit more expensive, but knows a little bit more. Those are the investments over time that pays dividends because it's yeah. only going to get you further along the line of progression that you're at. And I think that you're completely right in saying that. I think, I think that's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant point to end on. So thank you so much for coming on, man. I really, really appreciate it. Super excited to see uh, those numbers which we, we we won't claim now but i uh I yeah yeah 500 kilo deadlift <laughs> let's do it let's do it we've said it now right we've said it now <laughs> but thank you very much man we'll be watching you closely and uh all the best with your next competition dude thank you thanks a lot for having me